I understand this church uh, is about 70 years old. Is that right? 40. 40. Is that all? Okay. Uh, I was <laughs> it had been 60 years since Jesus ascended up to heaven. The church has been going on now for 60 years. If you're only 40 years old, as a church, you can imagine you would have been in existence. And you know how long. You see how far you've come in just 40 years. Our church is over 200, so y'all babies. Uh, so you see how you've progressed and you've built all these buildings and you've done all this in 40 years. So you can imagine some of the churches could have been 60 years of old age. And the question is, does Jesus really care about what's going on in the church? Does he know what's going on in this church? I know you have to print out all your records and all this stuff. Is Jesus really interested in your records of what happens at Green Pines? Now, when he comes back, he's talking to John. Chapter 2 and 3. He deals with seven churches that are in existence in Asia Minor area. And so our Lord chooses, before he goes in and talks about uh, the Antichrist, the beast, uh, about the terrible things that's going to happen on this earth and how there's one worldwide ruler and one worldwide religion and then the battle of Armageddon and then the uh, time of uh, great tribulation that's going to come on the earth and all that sort of thing. And then he's going to talk about a new heaven, a new earth and all those things. Before he does that, he says, I, I, I need to talk to the churches. Now, Paul writes to the churches, and he gives instructions, and that's good. Peter does. We've got all these writings in the Scripture. But our Lord decides, you know what? I need to talk to the churches personally, individually. And there's one last word I want you to have. Now, friend, I want us to look at what Jesus has to say to the church. Tonight, we're going to look at just one church Chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. It's the church at Ephesus. And so you should, if you've got a red letter Bible, it's in red letters. Jesus knew about churches. He knows about us. Now, John had pastored a great church. Uh, his church is north of Ephesus. Uh, the remains of that church are still there. It's built right beside the Temple of Diana, one of the ancient wonders of the world. <laughs> and uh, yet there's more standing of John's church than it is the Temple of Diana. Some folks say, well, you know, I, uh, we don't want to have anything bad built beside our church. Why? Are you afraid of the devil? You know, down the road, uh, uh, going to Greensboro, uh, there's uh, a big old bar that's been there. 
that church set up right beside it. I don't know if y'all noticed. I, I've been watching it through the years. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting. Bar's closed. Church still stands. You know what? Some folks, I was preaching one church, and, and I mentioned this. Do you know they're going to build an ABC store right beside the church? Praise God. What a wonderful opportunity. Put up a cross. <laughs> Tell them about Jesus. Uh, you know, I understand this church put uh, leaflets in the bar folks' uh, cars, just inviting them to church on Sunday. Great idea. You know, we, we've got something that's greater than anything in the world. And I don't know why we shrink back like we're scared. But John pastored just north. Great, great church. One of the neat things about John, he stayed at the church the whole time uh, and built a great church. Now, Ephesus that we're going to look at tonight was, uh, Paul was there. He was there three years, and then they had Apollos a couple of years, and kind of remind me of Green Pines. You know, every time you turn around, they get a new preacher. <laughs> and, I, you know, uh, our church gives me a sabbatical every seven years and gives me an extra month off. And so uh, on one of my first sabbaticals, what I did is I, I went around and traveled through our state to visit the great churches of our state. And I found one thing in common with every great church. A preacher had given his life for that church. What I mean by that, he had given his entire life. For example, Calvary Baptist, which in my opinion was one of the finest churches in North Carolina. Mark Court spent his entire life there and died and preached the whole time there. And I believe that's why great churches rise. Uh, Charles Stanley been at his church, what, 42 years and I believe that's what makes great churches. When you, when you get changed church preachers every few years, average now is increased to three years. And so you do that. What happens? The church goes up when you got a preacher. It goes down when he leaves. You go up and up, and you like a roller coaster and never go anywhere. Consequently, in my area, this is where I grew up, churches are stay the same for the last 50, 60 years. Shame on you. There's more people and we stay the same. It should not be. John's church was a tremendous church, tremendous facility. Jesus never had a word to say about John's church. He didn't say anything about Corinth. He didn't say anything about Jerusalem. He didn't say anything about Antioch. Antioch was where the missionary movement started throughout the whole world. He didn't say a thing about that. He picked seven churches that evidently had things in them that he wanted to say to the churches, and I want you to hear it. Seven times in the next two chapters, we're going to see these words in verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Not one church. Some of you go, ah, Green Pines isn't mentioned in these two chapters. <laughs> I know it. But he says, I want you to listen to what I have to say to all the churches. So, we're not excused from this hour. We've got to listen and see, okay, what do you want to say to us? There was something going on in the church at Ephesus that was special. Would you stand as we read? So, he begins like he does all seven times. Unto the angel of the church. The word angel means minister. 
of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them that are evil, and thou hast tried them that say they're apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I'll come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. This thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of sitting under your teaching tonight. Yours personally. Thank you for caring for the church, for talking to us. And Lord, we as your people want to be obedient to you. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll speak to our heart. And we want to be as a church all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You be seated. He begins by saying uh, he's talking about the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven candlesticks. You know, a lot of folks uh, say, well, I don't like reading the book of Revelation. I don't understand it. <laughs> you know, friends... Uh, Revelation, if you read it, is clear, it plain, explains itself. And so uh, if you read the last verse in chapter 20, he lets us know what he's talking about. Uh, first of all, uh, the right hand, he holds in his right hand, he's talking about the seven ministers. Thank you. That was worrying all of us. Are y'all ready to go on? <laughs> okay, verse 20, the seven golden candlesticks. Y'all got no candlesticks. Uh, candlesticks, you know, they have stands. Okay, that's, I don't know what those things are. <laughs> but usually you have seven candlesticks, and you have a, a lamp in those days, or a candle on them, and he sees Jesus walking in the midst of seven of these lampstands, and the lampstands are symbolic each of a church. You know why the church is a lampstand? We are the light in Green Pines and Nighttail in North Carolina. 
We're called to be a light. It is a dark, dark world. And in this dark world, there is only one light. And that's why it's so important to be a part of God's family, the church. We together are a light in this community. You go to communities where there's no light, no church, bad, bad communities. Church makes all the difference in the world. In fact, I've watched the elections, and I can tell you how it's going to vote according to churches in those areas. You find good churches like this, it affects your elections. Don't tell the political people out there. They think it all rocks on them. It doesn't. It's on the church. You find a good Bible-believing church, you're going to find people vote according to the light in the community. And so he says, I, I saw the Lord walking in the midst of those candlesticks, holding the seven stars, which are ministers in his right hand. The seven stars are spoken of as messengers. The minister. Who called your preacher here? It's God. Isn't it? That's, that's who calls the ministers. You pray about it. You say, God, who do you want to come? And so it's God that holds the ministers in his right hand. And, and to this first one, he says, I, I'm writing to this minister of uh, Ephesus. And uh, I hold him in my hand, and I'm walking in the light of his life. Sometimes folks ask me the question, said, uh, so what do we do about our preacher? We don't like what's going on. And I always tell them, it's simple. You just talk to his boss. He knows how to handle his servants. Sometimes people look at me like, who's his boss? <laughs> and if you don't know his boss and you can't talk to his boss, you got a big problem. At one of my Dear friends come to me this week and uh, said, I heard some things about one of the other ministers in our church. And uh, he said, you know what? I've been hearing some things about him, and I, I decided to go talk to him tell him. And he straightened up. And I guess he thought, you know, if I'm going to talk to senior pastor, he'll understand. So he went and told me all that he said my, to my preacher he said, you think I did right? I said, no, you sure did not. I want to know who gave you that right to go talk to him like that. You need to go to him right now and apologize because you had no business saying any of that stuff that you heard about him. That was gossip. You know, those people that listen to gossip are those that are like trash cans. You're open to anything. Christians ought not to be open to gossip. So, hey, don't talk to me about that kind of junk. I said, he's right over there right now. You go over and apologize right now. And he did. 
I guess he was, he was surprised. I was preaching on this subject down in Goldsboro some time ago about God's anointed. Friend, you, you better watch God's anointed. And uh, David, you remember? I said, David, go in and kill Saul because he is so wicked. And uh, you remember what David said? I cannot lay my hands on God's anointed. God put him in there. Let God take him out. <laughs> you know what? God will do it. When I preached, one of the men came to me afterwards. And he said, thank you so much. He said, you know, I wish I'd heard that years ago. I was in a church and a preacher that I was under did some moral evil things. And I decided I was going to take it on myself and get him out of there. I had all the facts. And he said, I did it. And he said, to this day, I regret what I did. I should have just let God take care of him. But I put my hands on it. And he said, to this last day, I'll never, never get over what I did. Friend, God's men are in God's hands. And if you know the Lord, I found he can handle anybody. <laughs> you know, as a pastor, uh, there's all kinds of folks. And I found there's nobody God can't handle. So he just talked to the boss. He's got them in his hands. And he's walking among the church. And the next thing he says in verse 2, I know thy works. Do you realize Jesus, this is Jesus talking, Jesus knows everything that goes on in Green Pines Church. Everything. You want to behave? You better do it right here. This is important. We put over the, over the doors of our entranceway, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We have two entrances like you do. The first one, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and next, and his courts with praise. And sometimes I see folks come in wanting to grumble and complain. I say, go back out, look at a sign, and then come back in. If you ever going to behave, it better be in the church. Why? <laughs> For 60 years, the church has been going on. And Jesus says to this church, I know thy works. Now, this church had a string of pastors like your church. Good men. I mean, there's Paul, there's Apollos, Cephas. Uh, the lineup was just great men one after another. But he's got a problem with this church. And he talks to me. He says, I know what's been going on. I know your labor. I know you're patient. I know, he says, you can't stand those that are evil. You stand up against evil in the day. you got to stand. People know you for that. Uh, he says, I, I realize that you know that you're able to evaluate good apostles and those are not. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Uh, read recently they said they've just got hundreds of preachers throughout Raleigh that's going to preach against this amendment coming up for the marriage amendment. <laughs> Did you know there are that many preachers in our area that uh, are against marriage of a man and woman? There are. I know some of them. <laughs> you know, everybody says they're a preacher not a preacher. You know that, don't you? Some of the worst crooks you've ever seen around are, are preachers. 
I know some of them. You got to watch them. And this church was able to evaluate, and he says, you know what? I like you. Because you're able to choose, and you know what's a good preacher or apostle in those days and those that weren't. There are always fakes running around. Always. Uh, that's why uh, we're on TV. Folks say, well, why on earth are y'all on TV? Because there's so many fakes on TV, I want something that's real. Uh, some people say, well, you know, I listen to all the, all the Christian programs on TV. Well, I'm sorry for you. You know, there's a bunch of them, and most of them aren't worth listening to. And I feel like somebody ought to be on there that's right. Got all kinds of stuff. He says, I know. I know what you do. Uh, verse 3, I know how you've borne. You've got patience. And for my sake, you've labored, and you have not fainted. You are one working, hard-working church. Wow. But I got a problem. Verse 4. Our Lord loves work, and he recognizes it. He is very tactful. When our Lord examines us, he looks at what's good, and then he names what's bad. So if you're going to be critical of somebody, it's always good to do that. So you know what? I, I see this good in you, and here's something that needs to be helped. Now, that's what he did when he looked at this church. He said... Uh, I see you're really working. You're active, extremely active. Uh, you stand for the right things. But there's one thing. Verse 4. One thing I have against you. You've lost your first love. Do you know what that means? Your first love. I guess about the best way to describe it is when you first fell in love. Beverly was sharing with us tonight how how they, they met, how they uh, just so in love with each other. Do you, you remember that? Beverly and them remember it. <laughs> uh, you know, you saw this person, you fell in love with them. Oh, man, that's the person. You remember that? And then you got married and come off the honeymoon and you have to go to work. And you think, oh, that's the most terrible thing in the world. I have to go off to work and leave this person I love. Now, today it's not as bad as it was when you got married. Remember how it was when you got married? You didn't have a phone with you all the time, so you couldn't text her all the time. But you got on your horse and went off to work. <laughs> and... You know, you just couldn't wait to get back to see her and come up in the yard, you know, and she's just waiting there, got the newspaper for you. You get in the easy chair. She sits in your lap and you tell her how your day go, you know, and you share and you love. Man, you just love each other. That's first love. Got it all over you. Don't you love seeing couples, young couples fall in love in your church and community? You know, you can see it on. They just got it. They, they just love each other, can't hardly stand to be away from each other, talking about each other. That's good. You give that same couple two or three children. <laughs> you all know it, don't you? No use me telling you a thing. You know, and, and you ask the, ask the woman, do you still love him? She's upstairs now doing the laundry. She said, ah, if I didn't love him, I wouldn't be working for him like this. 
Well, you know, he comes in, has to kick the stuff out of the chair to get in it. And uh, who knows where the paper is. And uh, she's gone somewhere working, trying to tend, tend to the kids. And, uh, you know, this couple's getting in trouble. Unless they start loving each other, that marriage is going to break up. Because, you see, we got to keep loving each other. You say, well, we're working for each other. No, working for each other and loving each other is entirely different. So you can work for somebody. That's a partnership. That's not a marriage. A marriage is when you love each other, just want to spend time each other, caring for each other. And he says, you know, to the church, I remember the day you loved me. I remember the day you got saved. And it's all that you could do is just talk about Jesus. Now... Well, we got to go to church. I got to work. Boy, I'm working for the church. Boy, I'm so tired of working for the Lord. Why don't you just be honest? You know, we got away from loving the Lord. I remember one old guy in our church got saved. About 70 years old. And the old boy, after he got saved, he, he come back to church. Every day. He come back for visitation. He came on Wednesday night came on Thursday, and we had a wedding, and it came for that. I said, what on earth are you doing at a wedding? He said, I just want to be at church. That's what you got going. So we, I said, look, why don't you work on the yard? And, and you know, he'd come every day just to hang around the yard. We got something now doing that again. I tell you, I said, why are you doing that? I just love the Lord. I love being around his people. Last Sunday, a Vietnamese girl got saved. And she was in the parking lot with one of our members. And uh, she said, she said I, I'm just so excited about Jesus. I'm so excited. I, I, you know, I'm so, I was so tired of Buddha. And now I got Jesus. And I'm so excited about it. I don't know what to do. You know, what can I do? And she wondered, can we get in the Christian school? Yeah, you can get in the Christian school. What else can I do? And look. And she saw one of our ladies and she said, she works at one of these uh, places that does the nails and all that. She said, listen, I got some folks down there, they need to know about Jesus. Would you come and get your nails done and tell the rest of them about Jesus? And so one of our ladies did it last week. She came in, she said, look there, I got them, and I talked to the rest of them about Jesus. You see, when, you, when you're on fire for Jesus, that's all you want to talk about. You don't want to talk about some organization, men's group, women's group. No. Who are we about? We're about Jesus. Every service we come to is a love service for Jesus. Do you realize that? When you come in here, it's not a time to, well, let's see what else they got going. What else did they miss out in the bulletin? <laughs> you know, I tell you, there's always folks that always look at the bulletin and say, well, let me examine the bulletin this week, you know. <laughs> I don't ever read it. <laughs> you know, folks say, did you see that? No, I didn't see it. I don't ever read the thing. I'm there to worship Jesus, friend. That's for when you go home. You read that thing. But when we come together, it's a time to love together on the one that died for us, rose again. That's what we do. Do you notice our songs? They're all about Jesus, weren't they? If we sing any songs that's not about Jesus, let's change them. We sing about him. We love, it's a time we just get together with folks that's got the same heart. Let's just love on Jesus a while. 
That's our job here, friend. That's what we do every week. What do you think we're going to do in heaven? <laughs> what are they doing? They're saying over and over and over. Some folks don't want to. You, some of you just, you complain about being church. You won't like heaven. Hey, it's no joke. If you don't like this place, heaven, you know what we're going to do? It's a day and night. Day and night. Over and over. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Wow. We're going to do that day and night. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Praising his name. Worshiping. Just admiring him. Talking about him. Oh, God, you're so good. Look what you did for us. And that's what we do when we come together. It's a bit of heaven right here. That's why we're celebrating. And that's why it's so good for you and so healthy. They did a study on uh, the healthiest places to be. The healthiest place to be was church. You know, home, you can break your neck. And you certainly don't want to go to the hospital. They'll kill you there. And, and, you know, you don't want to go to the drugstore because 60,000 people a year get the wrong drugs. And so, you know, they went through this whole study and they found the healthiest place to be was in church on Sunday morning. Praising and exalting the Lord. That's what we're to do. Have we got away from it? This church was active, busy, doing things. But Jesus, who is the one we worship, he ought to know. He looked out among this church and he says, you don't love me anymore. I can feel it. I sense it. You don't come because... You love me. You come out of obligation. Some folks come because they're parents. Some come because they're kids. Friend, we don't come to church for our children. We come to the church for Jesus. That's what we come to church for. He's a sinner, not something else. And friend, he says, I feel it in your church. And then he's got a word for them. Verse 5, call the three R's. Remember, I want you to remember how it was when you first got saved. How was it when you just got Jesus in your heart? Do you remember? Remember how you loved the Word of God? How you couldn't, couldn't stop reading the Word of God? How you wanted to sing all the time? you remember that? He said, I want you to remember how it used to be. And then I want you to repent. Repent? Can't I just change? Do better? No. Friend, when we sinned, it's not, it's so easy to say, I'm just going to do a little better now on. Now, friend, repenting means to say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. That's what we need to do. God, we have been too busy working for you and not loving you. Forgive us. We sinned. He said, I want you to repent. He didn't say, look, just kind of, no, I won't overlook it. I want you to ask for forgiveness of living so busy and not loving. Repent. And he says, and I come to you quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick if you don't repent. Wow, that's a third R, remove. What is remove? I'm going to blow your candle out. You can go visit all seven churches where they are. 
I've been to Ephesus. There's not a light shining at all. It's one of the most beautiful places. Spent all day there. There's a marble mine nearby. <laughs> Some of you want to have all these uh, granite tops and all. Well, I tell you, in Ephesus, the streets are paved with marble. The buildings were built with marble. They've got a bountiful supply. It's beautiful. They've got a beautiful library, still standing, most ornate thing, all with marble. The uh, Colosseum that Paul went in and preached, still there, went into the restroom. They had 30-seat marble seat bathrooms. Beautiful. Fountain in the middle, place for somebody to play the violin while you go to the restroom. I mean, we, we haven't come anywhere. It's pretty nice. They had hot and cold running water. Ephesus is built on the side of a mountain going right down into the Mediterranean Sea. And so you see the sea on one side, you see the mountains on the other. On the upper part, they'd build their fire pits, heat the water. It would go down in clay pipes all the way down into the city. And so people in the days of Paul had hot and cold running water. We haven't improved a bit in the world. And the fact is, it's still there. And yet there's no light. No one there. The people of Turkey are proud of the city. It's something to be proud of. But they don't know why it disappeared. I was sharing with one of the uh, head men there. and I said, well, you know, in the Bible it tells us why. Jesus, in fact, predicted that they would have their lights put out. And he said, what is it? What is it? I said, well... Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, if you quit loving me, I'm going to blow your lights out. And therefore, there is no one, a Muslim or Christian or anybody, even living in the city of Ephesus. No one. Dark. You visit during the day and you get out by nighttime. Why? Friend, you may not realize it, but Nightdale stands on Ephesus on Green Pines Baptist Church. I believe the whole community is there. According to what the church does is how the community goes. This church, evidently, they didn't get repent and get back to loving Jesus. And he said, therefore, I'm going to just blow your light out. Green Pines, where are you going to be? I want to give us an opportunity tonight as a church to say before God, God, I repent of not loving you. Do you agree we need to spend more time loving Jesus? Do you agree? I know, I know you're a working church. I know you're a very active church. But our Lord saw this and he said, you know, that doesn't satisfy me. I won't love him. <laughs> you know, Jesus can feel it when we come in. Are we going to love on him? Or are we just working for him? Well, it's another service. How can I love Jesus more? I'm going to ask right now. If you are willing to say, I'm repenting 
of the sin of not loving Jesus, and I commit myself to loving him more, I'm going to ask that you stand up out of your seat right where you are and make that just by standing, by making that statement. I repent of not loving the Lord. And right now, I am committing personally to loving Jesus more. I'm in his presence. I know he's here now. I'm not going to lie to him. I want to be frank with him. I personally am repenting of not loving him like I should. And I right now commit myself to loving Jesus every time I come here more. If you're going to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand right now where you are. You that are standing, I want to pray for you and our decision that we're making right now. 